So, a different topic. <laughs> Good evening, Mike. <laughs> Good evening, John. <laughs> we, uh... <laughs> I never, I just, we are, it's still, we say, we've been doing this for a while now, 10, uh, what the, uh, this is what, the 11th week straight? And, yeah, uh, yeah. And, the, uh, it's like it's the still, 11th hour, only it's weeks. Yeah, but it's still not graceful starting one of the episodes. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, anytime we get started, we just kind of sit in silence for a second, like, wait, does, does he know if I'm ready to start? <laughs> <laughs> We're, worse than that, th- this time, and I, I hope you're cutting the joke out in the edit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a joke, like just a rip on each other. And then, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, I'll dev, I'll cut that out. It, it's, we have, we've got a, we've got a good, uh, a good track record of having the, uh, having your intro in the beginning. And I think it's funny that if I remember yeah. right, I think the very first episode, you actually kind of did that. On accident, I guess, or like it, it might have just been a gaff, but like, I mean, it, it kind of works playing around. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It works. Yeah. It works. So, you know, we kept it. It sounds great. So what has the week brought you, John? Um, no, I, <laughs> it's not a whole, I'm just, no, nothing. It just nothing, nothing really of interest. Just did it uh, fly by for you. It did. Yeah. It was, it was almost like it was. Like it was an extra week. God, I wish it had flown by. It was the longest week I have ever experienced, I swear. Yeah, that's, yeah. I think I answered the wrong <laughs> question, actually. You asked me if yeah. it flew by, and I said, yeah, and then explained how yeah, it was it so, was, how, how, like how long week, it was. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. Yeah, well, that's how uh, long, that's how long this, this, this one week has been, um, it's been it's, insane. It, yeah, it's it's a long week for sure. Um, I had a look at the uh, the topics list. It didn't really change a whole lot since the last time we talked. Um, and uh, we have done no no prep for this as usual. Um, well, wait, that I mean, sounds like I that have, sounds like a that sounds like a criticism. Actually, it's not. It's kind of our model, right? We're, we kind of yeah. I kind of come in cold. You come in with some idea of what we're going to talk about. And then you're like, here's a different topic. And then blam, you give me a topic yeah. and we riff on it for a little while. So that is exactly our model. Yeah. Thank you for summing that up so succinctly, John. Yeah. And I, I really like that model because it means that I really have to do very little work ahead of time. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're the one who, ends, who has ended up editing every one of these. I yeah. wouldn't say it's little work. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I do all of my work on the back end. You do all of your work on the front end. And uh, yeah. that m- could very well be taken out of context at some point, but <laughs> we'll just move on for now. <laughs> well, enjoy your back end work for, for the time being. Oh, I will. And uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll work on that back end work. Uh, what we should probably focus on is the here and now work. Okay. The, uh, the meat, the, the meat and potatoes. Oh, wow. That's something to take out of context. Gotta, <laughs> gotta, gotta work on the front meat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's just go ahead and dive into, to something here. Okay. Uh, so a different topic. 
Physicists just solved a 35-year-old mystery hidden inside atomic cores. Mm. Uh, I know you probably saw this and were like, what? What What the heck's going on? Probably haven't even looked at it. I did, actually. But, I, I looked at it, but on accident. I, I looked at this. Um, I, I, saw, I saw this article or a similar article just in my own perusing of the internet. And then uh-huh. I noticed that you had the topic here. So I, I, yeah. I did actually read something about it. So it's, of course, we, I just kind of pull topics that I think we, we will find interesting. It doesn't matter what the, the, uh, the source of the topic, whether it's science, philosophy, whatever, Mm -hmm. we just tend to gravitate towards those topics. Yeah. Um, but this one was uh, that since we have been able to measure the nucleus of an atom mm-hmm. and the individual components, the the neutrons and the protons, we've noticed that neutrons and protons weigh a certain amount separate, right. free-floating. But when you pack them into a nu- nucleus, all of a sudden that weight can change. Right. Um, for <clears throat> the individual protons and neutrons, not for... The, the total combined weight. Now, but, when you say weight, uh, you, do you mean do you mean mass, or are we talking about the um, energy uh, energy levels? Um, it, I see. I the the way I, I I mean I could be wrong, but the way I'm remembering it was that it had something to do with the um like the energy level of the particles before being in the nucleus and then after being in the nucleus. <laughs> It it may have to do with energy levels. I may be using a uh, uh, the wrong terminology here. It it's the energy levels because it has to do with uh, uh, the speed of the subparticles of the uh, protons and and neutrons, uh, the quarks. So looking at uh, they, looking at this one paragraph says uh, two particles in a nucleus are typically pulled together by a force of around eight million electron volts or eight MeV. A measure of energy in particles. Uh, Quarks at a proton or neutron are bound together by a thousand MeV. That's a huge difference. Um, Right. So does it make sense? So in in each proton or neutron shouldn't have enough force to pull them away from that proton or neutron just because an atom is bound together. Okay. There should be nothing that causes those protons and neutrons to intertwine. But what they're finding is that they are intertwining. They still don't quite know exactly why. They think it has something to do with uh, shared forces and and uh, uh, kind of like the, the gravitational forces in a solar system, how everything's balanced because not just the star, but the gravity of everything sure. kind of pulls a little bit, uh, only actually much more powerfully because... Uh, Gravity isn't so much a force as a well. Uh, I saw yeah. a video recently where they explained it by taking a straight piece of paper and trying to go along a, a latitude latitudinal line. And as they went al- along, it actually curved down. And it'll do that every time, even no matter how tr- how you try to flatten it against a single latitude latitude line. I... <laughs> I don't know the term there. <laughs> it's, uh, latitudinal. I broke down. Latitudinal and longi- longitudinal. 
Latitude okay. and longitude. Is that what I said the first time? You is said latitudinal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I added a G there. Yeah. Uh, look, I don't know all my spelling words yet. I'm, <laughs> You're the, still, we'll just, the teacher just handed them out yesterday. We'll just I don't change, have them down. We'll change your name to sixth grade and you can <laughs> you'll get promoted when you can spell words right. Actually, I don't, I don't even. What grade would you learn how to spell latitude and longitude? I don't even know. Um, that's know. a very good question. I don't even know <clears throat> if they do the the vocabulary stuff that we used to do in school. Hmm. Uh, I've got four kids. You would think I'd know, but <laughs> none of my three middle middle schoolers I have ever seen bring home a uh vocabulary worksheet of any type once they hit m- middle school, <clears throat> right. much less my high schoolers. So either they're, they're <laughs> hiding it from me. Or they don't do it that way anymore. Interesting. And who knows? Uh, my current middle schooler uses a Chromebook for all her books at school. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. I love it's, Chromebooks. Uh, <clears throat> you would think that would save on the uh, book carrying experience, but then she's got a Chromebook, oh, and yeah. apparently she still has a backpack full of books or notebooks or something. I oh, don't great. even know. That sounds awesome. Yeah. So back to this thing. So what what are we saying here? So the it it sounds like there are, um, it, it, like nobody knew how to explain the difference, or so. Is yeah. it, so can we can we distill this a little bit? Is it are we saying that so, the the energy levels that we thought were necessary to keep them together are not what's keeping them together or is it the other way around that they should have too much energy and shouldn't be able to keep them together at all? Neither. It's, it's not about them staying together. It's about, um, when, when they come together, the thought process was the eight millivolts, not millivolts, uh, the eight (laughs) MEV. What is it? Million electron volts. Yeah. The eight, whatever unit of measurement of volts of force that is required to keep two uh, particles, be protons or neutrons, together in an atom atom Mm -hmm. is far less than the 1,000 units of force that keeps the quarks within a proton or a neutron. Well, because there's that difference in in force levels between the two units of quarks, they didn't think there would be any reason for the quarks to pass the boundaries between a proton or a neutron or a proton and a proton or a neutron and a neutron. Okay. <clears throat> so what they're finding, and, and so therefore, in, in, within an atom, the, the overall speeds of all of the, uh, the quarks within an, an atom's nucleus should remain constant at to as if the the protons and neutrons were separate and free floating the speed that the quarks are moving should always be about the same because there should be no mixing okay what they're seeing and they haven't been able to explain this in 35 years that they've been able to really define quarks as being the the particles which protons and neutrons are made up of they're seeing that the quarks are actually intertwining between the different protons and neutrons, even though there's no real good reason for them to do that, seeing as that how there is such a large force that binds them 
and creates the proton and neutron. Okay. And what that what that does is that slows the speed of those quarks down as they make that interaction. And hmm. that's where they're seeing a difference that they've seen for 35 years because this is based on when they first were able to differentiate quarks as the as the base unit of a proton or a neutron. They they noticed immediately that when the free floating masses of quarks, when they came together to form an atom, there was a difference in, in speed, uh, not constantly, but averagely overall, there sure. would be a difference in speed in, in the <clears throat> quarks that were suddenly in an atom, but they couldn't explain it because there was no reason for those quarks to right. cross between a proton and a neutron. So what is that reason then? And uh, as a follow-up, um, why does it matter? Like what? <laughs> I'm not a science denier. What I mean is like, uh, you know, what, what is, why is that? And then what impact does that have on the rest of science? What good is well, figuring this thing out after 35 years? They're not exactly sure why it does it yet. Um, the the thing about it is is they weren't sure that it that it did it. Oh, until now. <clears throat> okay, I so it's the point of it is just that we've opened another door behind the reality and and figure out what makes the universe tick. Um, I got gotcha. you. This this is of course into the quantum realm with being quarks and and being able to see how they interact mm -hmm. whereas before we didn't even know this happened we saw that there was a difference but we didn't know why there was a difference there in that speed but now we know the differences because there's actual quarks that cross over between the boundaries of a proton and a neutron now that doesn't necessarily help to hold an atom together any any more strongly than one that that might not be happening in at any given time, but okay. it's something that happens, and we've seen that this difference happens. We just couldn't explain it until now. Very interesting. Yes. Yeah, that's a good find. Thirty-five-year-old <clears throat> mystery. Yeah, and that's so cool. It's you know, that, just, that's something uh, I, I really like about science. Um, a, a friend of mine and I were just talking the other day. We, we both kind of wish that our jobs were a little more. Um, in the prototyping space because um we're we're both really good at coming up with things where you know somebody kind of gives you a a prompt for an idea and then you can and both of us are really good at taking that idea and then running with it um uh -huh. and then just trying stuff not even just to see if we can make the original thing happen but um to see if we can figure out other things around that, whatever that central idea was. And that's one of the things that's really cool about science uh, and, and something that gets overlooked a whole lot. Um, you know, a lot of people know this somewhat anecdotally, but for example, um, NASA invented Velcro. And the my understanding is the reason they came up with Velcro was because they needed a way to hold astronauts to the floor when they were going to the moon. <laughs> so sure. They just came NASA up. NASA invented Velcro. It wasn't the pre-existing relationship <laughs> with extraterrestrial beings. It was Correct. NASA. Yeah, it was definitely not aliens. 
it was, yeah. I, it was I've noticed I have this continual push to, to conspiracy theories when, when we touch <laughs> upon it. Just yeah, every time. Not not because I believe in it, just it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we have Velcro because of that. And so, uh, you know, Velcro is in my daughter's shoes and I've got Velcro cable ties and all of this is stuff that I, you know, somebody may have come up with it because Velcro has a lot of uses, but we wouldn't have had it as soon as we did if it wasn't for NASA trying to solve the problem of of weightless astronauts. And, oh, absolutely. And um, a lot of things are discovered along the path of discovery. You know, you're not just dropping a, a rover on Mars. You have to create new technologies you have to write new software you have to invent things that haven't been invented before and sometimes in that process you have to do something that has never been done before and it's and it's less about doing it for the first time and more about creating this technology or advancing the civilization in 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 that kind of way and i think people people lose track of that I guarantee a good portion of our communication technologies now, especially the basis of wireless communication. Oh, absolutely. It was not invented for consumer markets. It was no. invented to improve military or space exploration yes. needs. Yes, um, absolutely. In fact, we used to work in the IDEN um, network field, mm-hmm. uh, which was what uh cellular companies such as nextel southern link and i think there were a couple more but the the walkie-talkie phones yeah um it's that's the technology that those used well when sprint bought nextel and who owned the iden technology um when sprint bought nextel they planned to get rid of of that IDEN technology in their network, which I understand. But what they did with it is they didn't just turn everything off and go, okay, we're done with it, on to new things, let's forget about it. Right. They handed it over to the military, yeah. which was a segment that 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 particular wireless technology was kind of created to cater to in the first place yeah. because it was more reliable than the other cellular communication technologies of the time yeah absolutely you've gone alien on oh we we should probably address this real quick this is the first I'm sorry this is the first uh podcast where we're actually we started with a video of ourselves so that we could see each other and uh, I'm not so sure it's not going to be a little bit of a detraction. I'm sorry. I we'll I see. take full responsibility uh, for the distraction here. I I realized uh, while Mike was talking, I realized that I could adjust things like my my hue and my saturation. So I just cranked the saturation all the way up and dropped the hue all the way down. So now I'm just bright green and everything around me is neon purple. You're Gamora. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I'm gonna, I don't, I, there's, I can't set it all back to just default with one click. So I'm just gonna oh, drag everything kind of to center and we'll just forget that 
Forget that anything weird happened. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's it's good. Uh, it did it did bring up a point that I had meant to actually address already. But oh, <laughs> well, you're welcome then. I'm no yeah, longer sorry. I take it back. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, the, you said the communication satellites or the communication technologies. Yeah, for, for sure. That's that's unquestionably the case. Um, you know we. We have a we owe a great deal of our of of current technology to um, military and government work for sure, Un, unquestionable. Absolutely. So, um, now that we've talked about new technologies and and new advances, uh, let's let's uh, plunge into the depths of human greed, I guess. Let's line our pockets a bit. Oh, the depths of human and, greed. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Man, you really from, brought from the tone down. Human- oh, we just need to run and we just need to run in a quick ad spot, Mike. God. <laughs> All right. So if you were immediately back to us, uh, we didn't have a spot yet, or we haven't recorded a spot yet. <laughs> if you uh if you heard us an ad. I I hope you enjoyed it. So much for the if you didn't let us know. Greed. If you did, let us know. I, I oh, don't yeah. know. That's kind of. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> as we like to do, we got dirty playing an ad and tried to to scam some some shekels off of people. <laughs> um. So let let's just get cleaned up. Let's let's forego all the all the talk about it and let's just hop in the shower. Cue the shower, the shower talk, uh, sound bite that we have yet to produce. <laughs> that doesn't exist and, yet. Yeah. Maybe I can find. I did try to find one um, for uh, last week for episode ten, and uh, I I just I came up dry, so to speak. That's all right. That was an accidental pun. <laughs> you know. You, you know what? No, that was on purpose. That was. <laughs> I'll totally take credit. On purpose. I'm going to take credit that, for that that uh, that pun. That was that was good. That was a good pun. <laughs> well, let's get get clean and and uh, shower down with a shower thought. Uh, I actually really kind of like this. I, I don't know how far we're going to go with it, but uh, when we're able to produce artificial mass produce artificial meat, animals will still be killed and sold as premium organic meat to rich people no. for huge prices. <laughs> and this is by uh, the user. Darkstar underscore Randall on Reddit. Um, I I feel like that's probably true. Yeah, that's yeah, that's probably true. But what it makes me think of is I uh, was seeing on, I believe Rhett and Link, they took uh, there's a what is it, the amazing or the unbelievable burger or something like that. It's it's an artificial meat burger. Okay. Um. I think it's vegan. It may or may not be lab grown. It may be just vegetable based protein. I I don't know for sure, but it wasn't, you know, slaughtered meat, no matter which way you talk about it. Okay. Um, so they took that, that patty because apparently Hardy's slash Carl's Jr. is making a burger mass produce and and available on the market with this patty and it's really supposed to taste almost just like 
real beef patties. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I'm. But I it, am. Is it entirely synthetic, or is it? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's it's entirely synthetic, but it's supposed to have the uh, red uh, fluids that that come from it. Uh, it's supposed to have a oh, wow. consistency consistency very very close to meat, a taste that's very very close to meat. Uh, now, Rhett and Link, and I guess I'll have to find the episode they did did this and link it in the show notes now. But Rhett and Link took that same beef substitute product and put it in a, in a whole bunch of different uh, uh, fast food places food like Taco Bell and uh, um, a bunch of other ones. I don't even remember all the ones they did, but there were some that they were like, this is actually really good. Maybe not call it a substitute, maybe just build a whole new thing around it instead of try and try and uh, uh, fool you into to thinking it's it's another product. Okay. Or because what they were consistently finding is if you tried the substitute meat first, it tasted fine. But then you tried the real meat and it uh. had just enough enhancement to it. I, it. It may be the grease, the the umami, or whatever the case may be. It tasted just enough different once you ate it that you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's beef, and the other's not. Oh, but until you ate the real beef, you would not have done that, uh, which is a problem for vegetarian and vegan foods, I think, in that... They try and mimic uh, foods that people who aren't vegetarians or or vegans like. I I like a good burger, and they try and and mimic it with like a portobello mushroom or mm-hmm. or uh, a fake like black bean patty or something like yeah, that. Yeah, these bean patties uh, really gross me out. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Don't try and mimic a food because you want to try and entice the people who don't eat vegetarian to have this. Or if, if you go into that life lifestyle by choice and not by a necessity of a a body function, like uh, I I have a sister-in-law who can't (laughs) eat meats. Yeah. Staying alive. If if she eats meat, she gets sick. Right. I understand that. I, I, also somewhat understand somebody just choosing to do it because they choose to do it. I, I don't necessarily agree that it's the right way to go, but then again, I'm not vegetarian or vegan by choice either. So, well, I mean, if I was, I think there's, there's probably a, a pretty good, uh, I'm going to, I'm not going to say probably, I, I think there's a good argument to be made um, for eating less meat or no meat at all, purely on moral grounds. Um, there, you know, just yeah. just thinking about the because like I, I have absolutely no problem at all with the idea of going out in the woods, hunting a deer, killing it, slaughtering it and feeding my family with that with the meat from that kill. So right. I that I have absolutely no problem with as as a result, I also have no problem with cows on a farm 
being killed and slaughtered and delivered to my table. Where I start having problems is where they're essentially torturing these animals to death. And there's a lot of stories and, um, and you know, it's incontrovertible evidence <laughs> that this stuff goes on yeah. with um, how they treat chickens, that there are, um, you know, I don't want to get into name and brands and all this stuff, but <clears throat> there are major chicken uh, producers out there that are growing chickens in such tight quarters and breeding them in such a way that their legs are literally not strong enough to carry their body weight and they just break their legs break and they they're just in pain until they die and are fed to us that and and i agree with the outrage there (laughs) that is a problem that i i completely agree with the with uh a outrage towards inhumane treatment of animals, even if they're <clears throat> going to just be food for us. Right. That's there's that's no reason to treat them like an outright product like that. Sure. I mean, they're they're still a living, <clears throat> breathing thing. Yeah. They still feel pain. There's no reason right. to to put them through that. Yeah. And so I, I think in that way, there's there's a good argument to be made for. Um, avoiding meat. I don't do that. I avoid the companies that I know that treat their animals that way. So I, I eat, right. a, I eat a lot of beef that is from um, local farms somewhere near here that I can, there's a, there's a place n- uh, uh, near here where you can literally name a cow and go visit it and buy it. <laughs> and, and they'll, they'll raise it, they'll raise it, they'll feed it. Um, they wait until it's at age and wait and, um, it hangs out with its friends and its siblings and it lives a great life out on the range. Um, just free grazing and all that. And then it just goes and has a painless death and then is served. Um, I, I would have to <clears throat> ask about the time period that, uh, it's a long that it time. would take to, to raise to that point. Yeah. It's a long time because well, I would on- name it for the month that it provided my, my, my family sustenance. Oh Yeah. <laughs> that's a good idea yeah so that Anyways, that kind of thing uh, i have no problem with it to me that's that cow is raised in captivity sure but um it lives a good life and as good a life as a cow can live and then and then it's food <laughs> exactly i i don't agree with inhumane practices on like chicken farms cattle cattle ranches or farms or yeah for sure whatever the case may be if they're practicing inhumane practices just to get production levels up to a certain standard i think they should be shut down and uh other companies should come in and and be able to take their place that will do it a more humane way completely agree but i don't necessarily think that you know, because there's companies out there that are just in it for the money and don't care about the animals that that are in their care. Yeah, uh, I don't think that that's a, a reason that I should go and change my dietary intake that sustains me a certain way because another company can't be responsible. I'll just stop yeah. buying from that company. Right. But I mean, I mean, 
the the point isn't to argue whether vegan or vegetarian or or any particular diet style is is right even even with the moral issues aside there's still you know dietary like legitimate people some people just can't process certain proteins the right way or or yeah. like uh, again my 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 sister-in-law just can't really eat meat she can eat some fish and some chicken yeah beef tears her up but chicken she can eat a little bit of but not too much i myself i can't eat much fish so i can go to a fast food p- fish place like captain d's or long john silvers and get a couple of terrible for me just deep fried <laughs> it's almost not fish anymore yeah and i can eat that so i completely understand people having dietary restrictions that force them not to eat that and you know what if you believe that you honestly shouldn't be be eating that even if if your body can process it I can't stand in your way and say, well, here's a chicken nugget. You have to eat it. Shove it in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. That's, and, and that's two, not right. And two, even even if you disagreed with their stance that you know they shouldn't eat meat for any reason, they are still contributing to the reduction of meat consumption, which Absolutely. is really good for the animal kingdom. So... Even even if you disagree with their reason, unless you're just an asshole, <laughs> you have to you have to you have to uh, at least acknowledge that there there's a net gain, there's a net good that's happening from from what they're doing. As long as they don't try and force me to eat something yeah. that I don't feel I should eat, then you know I won't try and force them to eat something that they don't feel they should eat. Right. You know. Uh, but. It's it's interesting because we we now have these these imitation meat products mm-hmm. actually being mass produced at the very beginning of the process of mass production of these right and um there's there's two fast food chains I already mentioned Carl's Jr. slash Hardee's there's also I think um Jack in the Box okay. I think is the other one uh, that are making making products with with this meat. So it's not a matter of if it'll happen. It's a matter of when it will happen and yeah. if it will actually catch on and, and re- actually su- supplant a major portion of the natural meat uh, products out there. Right. Um, I don't know if it would actually supplant that. But it's an an interesting thought to to think that this is actually already happening. It's it's not a a shower thought anymore. It's <laughs> yeah. This this artificial meat is being mass produced, and it will soon be available readily to just about anybody. So will we see uh, an uptick in? natural beef prices will we see more humane treatment of the animals now that there's going to be an option sure right now that artificial patty that tastes like real meat is more expensive than than real meat Mm -hmm. but as it as production 
ramps up on it and it's able to be produced in greater volume for a cheaper price, that price is going to fall because it's technology. That's how technology works. Yeah, I'm curious, though, um, about the, uh, you know, this is probably something I could look up, but I'm curious about the health impacts. You know, something that has come increasingly made its way into my consciousness, I guess you, you could say, over the last several years is how much stuff we put in our bodies that are not naturally occurring chemicals. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, hearing about a, a fully synthetic meat, um, that concerns me, you know, and, and I don't know that I would even want that in my, in my body. <laughs> well, it's, it's not like it's, it's a chemical that they've just combined a bunch of, a bunch of chemicals that they've combined and poof, there's meat. It's more that like, it's a grown if it's if it's the artificial meat because i know there's there's a couple of different ones there's there's one that's like plant plant products and and proteins and whatnot that they combine and as much as you know it's not necessarily man-made chemicals at least fully it's it's nature-derived chemicals that are manipulated in such a way to to really imitate a beef texture and, and the, uh, the, uh, what's, it's not blood, the, the red juice that comes out of, of, of red meat. Um, I can't think of the word for it right now. That's not blood, but no, it's not blood. It's actually a, uh, fluid that helps the muscle contract, but it is not blood. Huh? You you never knew that? Uh, no. I mean, I, I knew it. I knew it wasn't pure blood because it it's not thick enough. It's a you know it's very watery. Um, it's not plasma either. Interesting. I mean, I know I've definitely um, I've definitely had a bleeding cut of beef before, um, where you can you can clearly see blood, <laughs> like actual blood on the on the beef. So I just assumed well, I that mean, it was it was like uh diluted or something. Yeah, no, if you think about it, uh and I, I just pulled up an article and I, I've never thought about it this way, but I just saw it. If you think about it, if it were blood, chicken ha- has red blood too. So if it were blood, then the dark meat from chicken and even the 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 white meat from chicken would have some of that coming out of it too. Um, what it is, uh, is myoglobin, Myoglobin. which is, uh, hemoglobin is the iron in the blood. Um, but myoglobin is a protein that is, uh, embedded in, in that type of meat, but it's not blood. Very interesting. But they've found some way to replicate that myoglobin in this artificial meat patty. Huh. Or or not patty, just the meat itself, the meat. Yeah. whether it's in patty form or whatever. Right. Um, so when you bite into this, it even has a little bit of that 
red juice coming out of it to to replicate it as fully as possible. Huh. Yeah. It's it's really impressive. I for for somebody who is definitely not a vegetarian, I really want to try one of these. Yeah, for sure. Um I I'm one of those where you give me artificial sweetener of just about any kind and uh so far I've not found one that I couldn't peg as an artificial sweetener even oh, if it's yeah. an alcohol sugar and which is very close to an actual uh glycemic sugar Yeah you know I, I don't know if I've ever done a a side by side comparison but I feel like I I could nail it too there's a there's a uh, texture is the wrong word but there's definitely an experience that you have with real sugar that you that you don't have with uh the artificials well at at least you and i have a difference of of experience there but that's not to say that everyone does right. i mean there's I mean, some I, people I really find, honestly can't tell the difference between Coke Zero and Coca-Cola, which every time I hear someone exactly. honestly tell me that, I, I'm i just baffled. Like, I, I don't even have to taste <laughs> them side by side to, to be able to tell the difference. <laughs> I almost cringe, but that's because I honestly taste a difference. And I've talked to people. In fact, I'm pretty sure my own mother, uh, the com- the the topic really hasn't come up in years because she's given up trying to force artificial sweeteners on me but i've talked to people who honestly when i tell them no that's that's a diet drink i i'm not gonna drink that they're like how can you tell the difference i'm like because it's an artificial sweetener it tastes different yeah like no it doesn't okay to me it does i mean it might not to you but to me it does yeah so i actually prefer um the uh there's like a a texture difference between Coca-Cola and Diet Coke. And I prefer, I prefer the experience of Diet Coke to regular Coca-Cola. I find, uh, Coca-Cola to be too sweet. Um, like, I don't know how to, it, it almost feels thick. (laughs) Like it, it, like the, I don't, I don't enjoy the, the way it feels like it almost feels thick. Like it's syrupy. And I don't, I don't get that experience with Diet Coke. Right. I've not been drinking regular sodas for quite a few months now. Yeah. Um, I've been trying to stay on a low carbohydrate diet, uh, almost a keto diet, but with some issues with the the town I live in, um, it's really kind of hard to to find low carbohydrate foods quickly right now. Right. Um, a, a lot of places have closed for uh, for a disaster reason, but we'll not get into that. Um, yeah, are, are you are you? Uh, I don't even know if I'm allowed to ask this question. I'll cut it out if I have to. Um, I mean, did did you? Because the the whole town was under an NDA. Did did you guys get lifted or? No. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it it's really hard for me to necessarily do a full keto diet when I find it hard to cook enough food and, and enjoy it. And I'm, I'm weird. I I know I, I'm, I should be just dying ding at any cost, but I don't want to take the cost. But yet on some things like diet drinks or 
or uh, things that are lower sugar, I'd rather just cut those out entirely than go to a diet drink or a lower sugar product. I'd just, right. I'd rather just <clears throat> go and not have it. Like, yeah, that's totally uh, understand a sweet mean. tea. I've gone and gone to just tea and my whole family is all sweet tea. And my wife looks at me like I'm insane because I mean, we come from the South, so we like yeah. our sweet tea, yeah. but I haven't had sweet tea in, well, I, I had a sip of sweet tea a couple of weeks ago because somebody accidentally gave me sweet tea instead of unsweetened tea. I don't, I don't think that it counts. It tastes so. like syrup now. Yeah. Yeah, it totally does. I think that, that may be what happened with me because my, my wife is a big Diet Coke fan, so we, um, and I, I was never really a big soda drinker at home. If I got fast food mm -hmm. or something, you know, I, or if I ordered a pizza, I almost always got a soda with it. Um, but she's a big Diet Coke drinker. So we had Diet Coke in the house, which meant that that was the soda that was available. So whenever I wanted one, that's what I got. So now anytime I drink a soda that isn't diet, it tastes like I'm just like pouring diabetes into my body. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing about that, though, there's there's <clears throat> been correlation. Now, granted, this isn't causation and I'm aware of the difference there. But there has been a strong correlation between the type of artificial sweeteners that's in like Diet Coke, a.k.a. Coke Zero. Mm -hmm. I, I am led to believe both of those are exactly the same product rebranded just for a male audience. They taste but, differently. Yeah. No, uh, what? They taste different. They do taste different? Yeah. Maybe you just think they do. Um. I'd be willing to take that test. I'm not uh, not yeah, only that, not only do I believe I'd be able to tell that they're different, I'd be able to. I believe I'd be able to tell which one's which. That'd be an interesting blind test because I I've <clears throat> seen sources uh, specifically state that uh, Coca Cola literally just rebranded Diet Coke to Coke Zero because Diet Coke was seen as a female drink, right? So they came out with Coke Zero to pull in a little bit more of the the male demographic. Sure. Yeah, I'd be I'd be Coke. willing to uh but, I'd be willing to do that um on record on camera. <laughs> I feel <laughs> I feel that I feel that good about it. I feel like I'd be able to identify them not just that they're different, but I'd tell which one's which. See, I've not not had <clears throat> either one of those. I've never had a Coke Zero and I haven't had a Diet Coke in uh, probably a decade. Okay. So I, I couldn't say I, I don't, I honestly have no idea. Cool. Um, but <clears throat> there has been studies showing a positive correlation between a body's issue with, with insulin processing and, and, uh, glucose processing and the consumption of artificial sweeteners that that are uh, glycemic infecti affecting artificial sweeteners. So, like, there's <clears throat> some alcohol-based artificial sweeteners that are al alcohol sugars. They don't, they're not taken in by the body, but the body also doesn't really see <clears throat> them as sugar, so it doesn't even try and take them in. But things like aspartamine, 
and or I may not be saying that right, but uh, you know, uh, without saying name brands of artificial sweeteners, but the the ones that are actually like chemicals that were found either accidentally or on purpose for that for a, as a sweetener, they're seen as the body by the body as sugar. And then when it goes to process it, it can't process it. So your body actually has, at least initially, uh, actually has this the standard spike of either insulin or glucose or something like that. When it sees that more sugar is coming in, your body goes, right. oh, good, it's more sugar. And then it's it gets it and goes, oh, wait, this isn't sugar. And then it doesn't process it while they're right. thinking... And again, the studies, and and it is multiple studies, not one study, but the studies I'm I'm I've read about for this uh, are just saying it's correlation. I so I am not saying that this is absolutely how it goes, but they're thinking that it goes that the body gets used to seeing sugar or artificial sugar, sugar and the the cue that sugar is incoming into your body as a non-signal anymore so when you get real sugar your body takes it in and goes oh yeah this i'm just gonna put it over here because it's not real sugar and then kind of sees later on oh okay it is real sugar what do i do with it again and oh um, interesting so your your body gets yeah, confused on exactly sugar processing in general and mucks up that whole process Exactly. So they're seeing huh. a, a definitive correlation between the uh, presence of diabetes and those who have uh, drank diet and, and artificial, artificially sweetened products over a long period. Uh, and this is type 2 diabetes. Of course, type 1 diabetes wouldn't be based on food intake or weight gain or any anything, any of the classic causes. Okay. Uh, for type one, you know, you're, you're just kind of born with it or, or you develop it through genetics yeah. entirely. Type two can, can be somewhat through genetics or, you know, you could just damage your body so much that your, whichever organ produces in, insulin just stops producing insulin the right way or, or something like that. So yeah. they're thinking that some type two diabetes can be attributed possibly to people taking in diet drinks and and diet this or that that has artificial sugars in it, and the body stopping processing regular sugars the right way because they took in so much artificial sugar sugar and basically trained their body to stop processing sugar processing right. sugar the right way. That's really interesting. And uh, that kind of takes me back to what I was saying about the the synthetic meat. Um, you know, people didn't realize yeah. in, initially that the artificial sweeteners like aspartame, which is, I think, what you were trying to say earlier, yeah. um, are bad for you. Um, and, <laughs> you know, I just imagine we get the synthetic meat that, um, you know, it turns out that it gives everyone colon cancer or something. <laughs> That's a very... Very salient thought to to this discussion because we I don't know that we do know I I mean sure we've produced this and it may be produced by combining a whole bunch of 
regular vegetables or something together, or it could be grown from meat cultures. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, we So we've produced this artificial meat, and the FDA has apparently released it for human consumption at this point, which is all fine and good, but they also re- released artificial sweeteners for human consumption at one point, and there's not going to be enough tests or time to have done enough tests to really see a long-term effect of something like this. Right. Even if it's from products that are known to be edible products like plant-based sources, uh, you, you alter them, combine them in, in enough of a way, then it's going to change how your body reacts to them. It's kind of like, H2O and H4O. One, we can't live without, and one, we will die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally kill you. Yeah. Now, granted, that's a molecular change between the number of of atoms within that compound. Right. And I doubt that they're making that much of a change to whatever source they're making this beef patty out of. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't, I, I would yeah. doubt that. But still, the, the point still stands. There's, there's going to be a, a certain amount of difference from the source pieces that they create this out of if it's plant-based or if it's, if it's a, a, actual meat that's just lab-grown meat, there's going to be an unknown origin or unknown change that may happen in the growth product. Mm-hmm. We, d- we don't know. We, we just don't know. Well, great. But I'm still going to try one, and I'm not going to be afraid of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if one person can eat one and not die immediately, I'll try it. <laughs> yeah, I'll try one, but yeah. I I may not commit to, you know, changing my entire beef base beef part of my diet over to to this fake meat. Yeah. Just because you know, I ate it once and it was acceptable or even good. <laughs> right. So, well, as for that topic, I'm hungry for a new topic. Yeah, so now I actually really badly topic. want a hamburger, and um, <laughs> it's funny we because we uh, the wife made hamburgers for dinner tonight, so I have already had a hamburger and I'm craving another one. Hamburgers are good. What can I say? I know, right? I like hamburgers. Yeah. So, for a different topic, uh, I'm gonna preface this one, and I I believe you are well aware of the song, uh, and I'm pretty sure because I. I started singing it the other day in your house and you didn't bat an eye. Uh, uh, the baby shark song. Oh yeah. Very, very familiar. I have a 20 month old child and, uh, yeah, I, it's all there's a, on YouTube, there's this video that's like, uh, an hour and 40 minutes long and it's just different versions of that song. And I have seen that video probably 15 times. Oh my god! <clears throat> yeah, it's a I'm bad glad time. none of my kids are that small anymore. Yeah, 
Because that's what they do. They're, you got to play it over and over again. But this has nothing to do with the song other than the name. So you're good there. But because I came across this, I read a lot of security uh, uh, blogs and Twitters and, and whatnot. And Twitters? Um, and Twitters, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna call it. Is that what it's Twitters. called? Is that what people call? I, I just that's weird. I don't think I've ever I heard anyone tweets. say that out loud. I don't know. I'm gonna call it Twitters. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> uh, so there's a new baby shark malware that's targeting U.S. national security think tanks. Yeah. So I actually heard about this. This is um um. Would you would you like to educate people on what phishing is and then the variant spear phishing? Before we get into okay, it. so what phishing is, is, and and I'm sure almost anybody listening to this has email, so you've almost certainly gotten something that was a phishing email, and that's basically just an email that comes to you that is claiming to be a company, whether it's a company you do business with or uh, just an, another company that is trying to get you to click on a link um, so that you enter some login information. Say it looks like it comes from uh, PayPal, and you click on a link, and it may look exactly like the PayPal login, and you enter in your login information, and then you click login, and maybe it doesn't look like it did anything. Maybe the page just reloads, and it may even go to the actual PayPal login page, and then you you enter your information again, click login, and, and you're actually into your account. But the first time you did it, they captured your username and password. Yep. And that's phishing because they are phishing for your account information or... Or yeah. some sort of information about you. So it's phishing because so they, that they can turn they, around and use it. A lot of times what happens is like in that scenario, you may get an email that looks like it's from PayPal that says, hey, there's a problem with your account. Uh, please log in and click this and then click that. And there'll be a link there and you you go to that link. Um, and like Mike said, you know, it has a username and password. You put in those credentials. And then next thing you know, you're either actually logged into PayPal or you're given another login screen that says like there was a problem, but that time it's the real login screen. So you put in your username and password again, and you don't think anything weird happened, but in actuality, they, they stole your stuff. So it's phishing because they baited you with this, this thing that there was something wrong with your account or someone just sent you a bunch of money or something like that. They draw you in that way. So spear phishing is when they they already know something about you or the class of person you are some some like the company you work for and they're going after that company so like say you're a a nuclear scientist exactly yeah so they will a, a spear phishing uh campaign will be far more targeted it will have uh, a little bit more research involved in in it, and and can will and can be significantly uh, more uh, advanced. It's yes, a much more sophisticated it, attack. It <clears throat> is far more likely to actually look like it's fully from, say, one of your coworkers or from a vendor that they knew know that the company does business with, yeah, or some something along those lines. So. The, the standard 
the standard advice has always been to, you know, not not click on links for email that you didn't expect or that you didn't don't know the sender of. Unfortunately, for for spear, spear phishing, that doesn't work. You shouldn't be clicking links on any email unless you verify that the link goes to exactly where you expect it to go. Or better yet, don't even click on the link if it's a a site you normally work with. Read the email, then go into the site and log into the site through a known link to that site that you already have. Yeah, and uh, in other words, um, you get an email from PayPal that says there's something wrong with your account. Click here. Don't click there. Go out of your email into a new tab or a new browser, go to paypal.com and log in and see if there's actually a problem. Absolutely. Okay. So, so that's, with, that's fishing and spear fishing. So, yeah. Um, so then, so what, what happened with this, this thing, the, there's a, uh, an Excel macro, right? This was the, the visual basic script that happened in an Excel macro. Excel or, or word, uh, anything that uses VB scripting. Uh, visual basic scripting for anybody who doesn't know the, the terminology. Sure. Not Well, I guess if you don't know the terminology, that might not say much in the first place. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> still, it's, it's visual basic scripting. And basically that means it'd probably be in like an Excel or a doc or, or maybe even a, um, a PDF file. Um, but anything that can do visual basic scripting, mm-hmm. this could be sent in. Fortunately, most email providers already filter out things like standalone executables or, or script files that aren't in some sort of like zip file or, or some other enclosure that that prevents them from being easily scanned right um but what this did or was that instead of having a form a link to a form that you log into it uh had this this script attached to a document so the phishing was so that you would open the document and then it would automatically go and uh, fetch the what's called a payload. I I believe I may be confusing this with another one. Correct me if I'm <clears> wrong, John. Well, so the what I the the way I understood the way this how this worked was once you open the Excel sheet, this Visual Basic script would run, and uh, the user would have no idea that this happened. It just happens in the background. So the right. the open the Excel sheet. The script runs, gathers some information about your computer, connects to a website on the internet, and then sends that information over there. Um, what scared me about this the most was that it, the article that I read said that this thing was not just doing one-way communications; it was a two-way communication. It was a two-way street. So, so it's it was more essentially, than fishing. yeah. Well, I mean, it was fishing. They they spearfish you to get the Excel sheet on your machine and they're targeting you. Right. They're targeting the person that this is going to because they want to and then see it's more like a Trojan in that it, yes, it then opens up 
this this payload yeah which goes and sends your information off proactively without you putting in any credentials mm-hmm. also it opens up a backdoor for them to be able to to get into to, to send the information back yeah right. so they were and, able and, to interact with this um and uh, this this is where i i get a little fuzzy i'm not entirely sure what all they were able to do but um it sounded like when it first runs it sends information about your machine identifiable information about your machine to the person to whatever this other website was and then a human on that side could then make some decisions based on the information they got and they could send something back to you that would make your computer behave a certain way send a file across um look for a specific file or types of files get uh network searches done you know what kind of shared drives do you have access to uh, what antivirus are you running? That kind of, it's really terrifying stuff. And when you think about, you know, the, this seems to have been tied back to uh, North Korean um, nuclear missile research or just yeah, their nuclear uh, program. <clears throat> it was a university in the U.S. which was to hold a conference about North Korea denuclearization issues at the time and a research institute based in the U.S. which serves as a think tank for national security issues and where the previously referenced nuclear expert currently works. Is the exact verbiage from the article. That's scary, man. Yeah. That's scary. I don't even know. I don't know what else to say about it other than it's scary. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, it's a... The, this it, it's kind of funny that that they chose to name it the baby shark malware. <laughs> yeah, well, that was that wasn't the North Korean folks. That was the uh, no. Um, that was the researcher. The, the not not even the researcher. It was found um, by a security uh, a security person, and then a expert firm came in to really identify it. And uh, that expert firm is who who named it. Oh, okay. I, I believe. So some some researcher um, did it. it says unit yeah, unit forty two. It, it caught my attention enough for for us to talk about it just because yeah. of the name. But <laughs> I, it's also a really scary, but but sophisticated. Sophisticated. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, it, it's a very sophisticated attack vector, and uh, it bypassed a lot of of security to be able to to target who and where it was targeting yeah and it's it's pretty new too and um the this says it 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 first showed up the oldest sample that exists at the time of the writing of this article was just november of last year Um, yeah which you know there have been instances of some type of malware existing in, you know, major fortune 100 company networks that has, has existed there for decades and people are just now finding it. And so finding something that just popped up November of last year, that's a pretty good, that's a, that's not a long time. (laughs) Well, that's a really young malware. (laughs) It it was bypassing highly secure areas in the first place because it had to do with national security mm-hmm. anything even think tanks at universities if if they're invited to work any anywhere near national security 
they have to step up their security game and they ha- they have certain standards that they're required to to comply with, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> the it's it's going to be pretty tough to to get through that in the first place, but part of the reason why it worked is the human element. I mean, I don't understand why security- I mean if you're dealing with national secrets, why would you allow attachments to come in from outside your network at all <laughs> well one of the the decoil files was named us nuclear deterrence.pdf <laughs> but that's irrelevant yeah. it's not coming from inside it's your network you know I, I just irrelevant. i can't yeah, imagine right. i can't imagine letting that happen i've had this conversation now, granted, at, at companies that i work for that don't hold government secrets <laughs> you know like granted, why do why are we why are we doing this it, even even if you scan all the attachments, the the biggest problem is I'm that, saying just cut them. Right? Don't let any yeah, attachment it, in at all. Right, exactly. Because even if you scan every attachment, a zero day is called a zero day because the the code that's responsible for the malicious execution doesn't exist in an antivirus database. Yeah. It is unknown and and until it starts acting you can't you can't scan it and go oh this is going to be well i mean you could scan it and go oh this is going to act this way and and that's kind of suspicious behavior yeah. but that would take up a lot more compute power than well, it, most scanners are are really made to deal with and and not Do just you, not just that but the sheer number of ways that you can exploit somebody's somebody's machine or somebody's network is it it makes doing that virtually impossible. Exactly. There are certain and things you could do. Like if, if you know, see but what it takes is a zero day for it to educate people who make software to stop this kind of stuff from happening. This right. particular, you know, talking about baby shark. Now they know that they could scrub the metadata of incoming files for, any kind of outbound API call. If that sure, if that's happening, then you just kill it's it. It's already hit. Yeah, exactly. But that's that's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. You didn't know to do that until it happened and you had data right. stolen. And now that you know what happened, you can you can scan for that specific attack vector. But and future incidents can be prevented now. Right. But it's already hit a US national security think tank. Yeah. And that's I, I can't say that it's unacceptable. It's it's scary is what it's it scary. is. Yeah. It's for sure. We wanna say it's unacceptable, but as long as we have computers networked together, yep. and actually able to pass data, there is going to be the ability for somebody to take advantage of that in a way that somebody else has not thought of. Yep. Uh well, John, have you set a timer? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm watching the audio capture. We just just crossed. <laughs> I'm bringing uh, it over from Remedy Arcade, man. Hour and oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty bad about setting timers. I'll be honest, but at least in this case, it's just one episode, so I can look up and I, I can see it. I can see yeah. that I've been recording for a little over an hour. Well, um, it's. It's pretty late at night for us. Oh, yeah. I, I know this isn't going to hit at midnight anywhere 
but uh, I think uh, I think even though we have a couple of topics, we could <clears throat> probably squeeze in. Uh, I'm ready to uh, go ahead and and call, call it, it a night. How about I, uh, you, John? I I agree with you. Although I will say that I'm sad we didn't talk about the the problem you'll never solve. Maybe we can do that next time. Oh. Oh, oh, I really wanted to. T- did you see the video on that? I did. Um, and, and actually, uh, the, the guest we had last week um, uh, also saw the video and he wants to come back and talk about it. <laughs> well, <So>. then <laughs> maybe maybe we need to have Matt on a lot sooner than than any of us planned, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Sure. So we'll think about it. We'll figure yeah. it out. Good night, John. Good night, Mike. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you next time.